know what that is? Discipline. Selfish. No joke. We're legitimate. Do it. Do it 100% because I'm trying to. We recognize that we are limitless. Gotta be a champion, become a champion, right? Winning is a habit because we create habits that lead to good execution and success. And welcome to this episode four of The Coach's Show. I am Mike Bianca, joined by my friend on this side of it. Nope, you're over there. No, you're over there. Ryan Gray, <laughs> episode four, A New Hope. No, I'm, I, that's a Star Wars reference. I'm geeking out this evening. We've got a pretty exciting show tonight, especially for me. One of one of my favorite coaches in the, I've been wanting to pick this man's brain forever, Ryan, and I'm really looking forward to it. And as always, we've got our NXL MLPB correspondent from Let's Talk Paintball, Vince Cunningham, joining us. But we also have Ryan Brand from X Factor. I'm really looking forward to delving into his mind. Yeah, I mean, um, kind of unarguably, Ryan, I think amongst the majority of the professional coaches, may be considered the best coach in the league. Uh, what he's been able to do kind of year after year after year with X Factor is, is incredibly impressive. So really excited to get him on and kind of talk through processes, what they do in the offseason, you know, kind of some of the things he does to prepare his team. And then we'll obviously talk about a little history too. get into, you know, kind of what's happened with the team over the last three years. And um, really excited to have Ryan and uh, get to know him a little bit. So let's bring Vince in and get some news. Hey, Vince. What's going on? How y'all doing? Welcome. Hey, uh, first off, I just wanted to say uh, for both of you, congratulations, episode four. Uh, this, as both of you found out now, right, this is a, is a tough journey to do. So congratulations. I've seen the videos you guys have been doing. They're getting some traction online. So, um, always watching, always glad to be a part of it. So, um, but yeah, just a couple, couple quick things. So obviously ICPL schedule update dropped there. So if you haven't seen that, uh, the, the, uh, good games event, um, that has been changed dates on that. So check out the ICPL uh, Facebook page and the NXL uh, Facebook or Instagram. It's on there as well. And then kind of obviously, you know, bigger news that came out this week, you know, Ryan Gray, new coach of of AC Diesel, right? That is a, a big deal, obviously, for for that camp and for you as well. So just real quick, want to want to just briefly dive into that, right? You guys have history for everyone that doesn't know you and Mark the uh, Texas storm days, right? Yeah. So actually it goes back further than that. Um, then the rebuild in 2010, Mark played <clears throat> kind of his very first professional semi-professional high level tournament with me in 2006. So wow. the year I was retiring, Mark was kind of coming into the league. Um, and we stay connected, you know, after I, I stepped away and started coaching. Um, and then, did the rebuild in 2010 with Mark Johnson, uh, Sean Sacedo, um, <clears throat> and Derek Knight, uh, who were the only kind of divisional, high divisional players on that team. And then had a really nice run in 2011, 12, and 13. And 
Um, you know, I really, I was going to step away this year and not coach. I was going to really just focus on the show and, um, we're going to do some coaches clinics with major league paintball. And, and so I was really just going to kind of focus on those things. I'd gotten a few offers that, um, I don't want to say weren't exciting, but they weren't, I, I didn't feel like I was going to get the, the personal and professional kind of growth I wanted. So I was pretty well ready to just kind of take the year off. And then Sunday I got a call from Mark, um, and he said all the right things and talked about you know <laughs> how cool it would be and clint johnson also played on that team in 2010 yeah um, and played there until kind of we we had to dissolve the team but uh so it's really exciting to kind of get to be around those guys again and um i do think they have all the pieces there to do something really fun and i'm just hopeful i don't mess it up <laughs> now i mean Obviously, you know, you've been around for a long time and, and you're one of the the few you know coaches in the league that can handle all of those dominant personalities. So when you and I had talked, you know, at World Cup and, and you were thinking about taking a step away, I was obviously a little sad, you know, happy to happy to see the journey that you had back into coaching everything. So I was super excited as a as a fan of paintball, as a fan of diesel, um, you know, excited to, to see them bring you in. So. Uh, that's, you know, confirmed coaching news. I'm sure we're going to have more um, as the season goes on uh, or the off season goes on. There's a couple other things in play, but, um, you know, another exciting news that, that obviously, Mike, you've been a part of this with Ripple coming over to the Hurricanes. We're starting to now see or hear more European players wanting to come over in, in pro division. So uh, obviously, We've already had, uh, so, you know, Pasternak, I'm getting ready to release that. That's, you know, I haven't released that yet, but he has wanted to come out. He played for Verse Factory. Um, he played very, very well. And then uh, Clint Moore from Lucky 15s, he just announced free agency. He's also interested, from what I hear, maybe coming in playing for a, a U.S. team. You know, we've had we've seen this with Axel playing on Impact, obviously Ripple playing on Hurricanes, that uh, – I want to get both of your opinions, Mike. I'll start with you first. But um, since both of you have been around, usually we see the transition of Americans going to Europe, and they were always being a dominant force. Now we're seeing Europeans kind of caught up a little bit. Now they're coming over to the U.S. and they're playing impactful parts. So, Mike, uh, starting with you, what do you think about the transition of European players now coming over to your to? Uh, uh, European players now coming over to the U.S. and playing. Well, I think these last two World Cups have been uh, integral in that. They've realized, hey, it's not as uh, you know bad as they thought it would be. I do want to comment that uh, Pasternak, a dynamic two. Anyone picks that man up, they're going to pick up a highly aggressive, you know, good player who makes some good reads. He's fast. He's quick. He's durable. He seems to be a good guy. So Pasternak's going to be a, a great addition to any any roster out there. Obviously, Axel, I understand, will probably be coming back somewhere after the, the dramatic exit from Impact. And, of course, Nick Ripple. He's one of the greatest human beings I've ever met in my life. So he's one of the nicest guys. Plus, he's a pretty darn good paintball player. So I, I have Clint Moore. I mean, that guy's a legend in Europe, and he's coming over here. He's going to bring some tremendous experience uh from from that aspect to the to the roster any roster here in america so i think it's a good thing i think it's about time it's uh it's been needing to happen for some time i would say ryan your thoughts on it yeah I, you know i had the 
opportunity to watch both those guys play a lot this year coaching in Europe and I think either one and I've I've watched Clint play for a long time I mean since he played with Nexus I think um anybody who needs somebody who can be a solid two kind of on the Dorito side or even a three uh in Clint and then Pasternak is he's somebody you know when I went to Europe I kept hearing people say hey you got to go watch this first team you got to go watch this first team he was the first player on that team that I noticed Mm-hmm. Uh, not just because he's hyper aggressive, but he's incredibly intelligent with his gun. Yeah. He, he, he switches at the right time. He makes really solid reads. He's very intelligent on the field. Um, I think if they can find a good home here, that's well coached and the environment's really good. I think either one of them uh, would have a fantastic year here. So obviously we know already what Axel brings. Um, yeah. He's, you know, incredibly talented, very ballistic, um, you know, Nick, I don't know. He's okay, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, reminds me, you were very excited, Vince, that, that Ryan was going to the Diesel roster. I am not. I am not uh. excited about that. As, as uh, I, the Canes have squeaked by Diesel three times now. So I think adding Ryan is going to make it just that much more difficult. So. Absolutely. And and obviously from a, you know, fan, I'm a fan first, right? I, I love it just because the competitiveness uh, to see that. So it, it's going to be a good season. Now, obviously, you know, we've had a couple, couple free agency announcements. We just had, um, which your, your next guest knows, you know, very well. So Cody Mikowski, uh, formerly of infamous now formerly of X factor just released his, um, his free agency. So for me, you know, and we've talked about this before. I think that is the one piece that's going to start slowly kind of knocking the dominoes down when you get a heavy hitter like that, like him, that, you know, when he comes in the free agency, that, that effect now starts where, you know, um, who is X factor going to potentially get for that to replace that spot and who are they going to take it from? And then who's that person going to take? And we've seen a lot of that start right. happening. So I, I think even though the, the free agency and off season has already started, I think this is where, a lot of the bigger players are going to start coming in. So, so yeah, so great, great stuff all around so far in the off season. Um, do you guys have anything else else for me? That's kind of all the major league paintball NXL updates that I have. Uh, did you talk about ICPL? Yep. Yeah. Uh, like I said, okay. cool. Nothing That's but it. rumor and speculation, but I don't get into that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to bring that here. Um, if you want, you know, if you want rumor reports, if you want all that stuff, well, let's talk paintball, uh, anything that's official, anything that's already confirmed, I'll bring here and also on the, uh, the NXL social media channels. So lots, even though rumors reports are fun, right. Uh, that there's a time and a place for that. Yeah. That's just not, that's not what we do here. I mean, it's exactly. always fun to, to have that kind of conjecture and, uh, talk in, in ambiguity and those kind of things, but we really want to talk about things that are confirmed and done and, and absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's I, what you guys do. Sharing that stuff is, is great. We just don't want to do that. No, do we know no. And I, we're going to real quick question for you. Vince. Yeah. I think, I think Ryan and I know the answer to this, but Jason Trozen recently made an announcement. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> a non, yes. a non announcement. A non announcement. He did it in the most Jason Trozen way possible. So, um, Jason. <laughs> so, so there's nothing to update because there is no change. Uh, the layout weekends will stay at one weekend. will not be going back to two. So, no so, and change. if you want to, 
if you want to know how I got that information where our show was airing this morning and somebody asked in the comments and I was like, I don't know, let me ask Jason. And I texted him and he was like, I said, Hey, are we doing one or two weekends? And he was like, one, there's no change. And I was like, are you going to tell people? And he's like, tell them what, that nothing is changing. And I was like, yeah. really, <laughs> really good point. I will share the non news. I do want to say uh, real quick, uh, side note on that. So from a coach's perspective, um, and I'll get out of here so you guys can get Ryan on and talk with him, but I've had several divisional coaches that have talked to me like the coaches show is great. We never seen it from this angle. We never looked at it that way. Uh, a couple of guys that I know. So you guys are crushing it. I said at the top of the show, I'll say it again before I get out of here. You guys are doing amazing. And thank you. Thank you for giving a spotlight and the behind the scenes of coaching because I coached one season or one team for like three events and it was by far one of the hardest things I've ever done in paintball. And I was like, I don't know if I'm the guy for this. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. Then. I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it, well, and like, interestingly enough, like we're going to have Marcelo come on, who's been coaching some divisional teams oh, yeah. to kind of give some perspective, you know, from the player's view to the coach and then also in the reverse. Right. So he, he understands both, viewpoints now and skinny even alluded to it and mentioned it uh when we had him on the show about how much easier um marcelo is kind of to deal with sometimes yeah, in the pit now because yep. he understands how how difficult it is to make that 45 second decision and and stick with it um so it, it'll be really exciting to have marcelo on too i think that's going to be three episodes from now so awesome um, yeah but thank you, Vince. We appreciate your support and your help. And if there's yep. anything we can do to help you, let us know. As long as it's not spreading more rumors. Right. No, I'm going to be getting. I'm going to be getting the rumors for you guys uh, behind the scenes. <laughs> well, we'll see if we can pry some stuff out of Ryan. See you, buddy. Yeah. Bye. Thanks, Vince. All right. Well, I know you're excited about this one. I am. I, you know, I haven't had an opportunity to really. I've spoken to a lot of the professional coaches since I've come into the professional division. I've really enjoyed getting to know a lot of them. Uh, Ryan's the one that I haven't had a chance to speak too much, and I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, we spoke briefly at World Cup and shook hands. Uh, of course, they knocked us out in the quarters at the Lone Star. So those are the only two real engagements I've had him. But I can't wait to talk to him because he and I have kind of a Kevin Bacon thing going on here that I, I want to throw by him when we get a chance to talk about you realize it. when you say that like you're just showing how old you are yeah that's true but hey I you know I don't I don't shy away from that everyone knows that I'm you know a, 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 you know 39 yeah so. 39 sure <laughs> well let's bring Ryan in let's do it welcome hello hey hello brand <laughs> Welcome. How's it going? Welcome. I'm here for it. Excellent. Good. Yeah, excited to have you, man. We uh, so I don't know if you've watched any of our other episodes, but uh, I have. Good. Yeah. One of the things we try to do, uh, not only you know, kind of share about the complexities of what we do, but also try to add some content for young coaches so that they there's nowhere right now where coaches can go and get any content about what we do and how we do it. And, and, it, and certainly when it comes to the off season stuff, right? Like there's data sheets and they can kind of stand behind coaches and things at, at events, but the things that we do in the off season and how we navigate through all of that is, is sort of um, 
at this point, there's nowhere, nobody knows, right? If they don't know one of us to ask questions, they just don't get any information. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about some of those things. And Mike, I'll let you kind of lead off with some of yours. Okay, real quick, though, I do have to jump back, Ryan. Planet Eclipse TV, the roster. Okay. 2013, mm-hmm. I believe, is the year it came out. Um, one of my mentors, right? So here's our first connection. My, one of my was Paul Richards. Paul Richards, when he left X Factor, came to to Birmingham Prime. And uh, that's where I I really started learning what a paintball coach could be. I thought I knew. I had no clue. Um, And the other thing is, one of the players on the roster was coached by me on Birmingham Prime. Do you remember old Wes Ward? Wes, yes, sir. Yeah, I do. Good man. uh, so that's our our little Kevin Bacon connection there. Uh, Paul Richards and Wes Ward from the roster of 2013, and I, I just thought that was always funny, and I always wanted to talk to you about that. But yeah, and that, let's, that's great. Let's you talk know, I about, think uh, uh, I was just gonna say real quick, you know, Paul's, yeah. you know, kind of the the coach of coaches, you know, and I think his uh, little coaching tree runs deep, and will continue to, and you know, I hope that he's not ever kind of lost to the. The, the history books, because I think he really set the bar for a lot of us. And, and much of what I am have accomplished has, has come from this season. I got to spend with him. So. Uh, yeah. Agreed. Uh, and I'll never yeah. let that man's name go off into the annals of history and be forgotten. It mm-hmm. won't happen. Just won't happen. Um, he was the first guy, like I said, and I've said on, on episodes and in blogs that I've written, uh, I never, I, if you had asked me before I met him, what a paintball coach was, I would have laughed at you. Um, I said, okay, there's leaders, there's captains, there's managers. Uh, but then I met him and I realized what a coach, paintball coach could be. The guy who had the X's and O's, the guy who had the managerial capability, the guy who could read and and just do all of that. You know, he brought kind of that basketball, baseball approach to, to paintball and it's incredible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, let's jump into this, man. Let's talk about it. So fifth place overall for uh, San Antonio X factor this season. We had uh, two fourth place finishes, uh, two out of the five events, I believe uh, a second place finish at mid Atlantic. What I think a lot of people may not be aware of is that X factor at those first four events, you were knocked out both times by the event winner. The first two events, I believe it was dynasty. The next two mm-hmm. events, it was damage. So X factors always been in the hunt. Um, when, when things like this are happening, right, when you realize that you're facing a team like a damage, when you're facing this dynasty, what kind of what kind of preparation are you doing from a scouting perspective? Is there anything different that you've done with the other teams that you've played prior? Or is there something you're – what advantage are you looking for heading into that type of match? Well, so it's interesting. I would say that the scouting um... – kind of the way I'm doing it and, and how I'm going about it doesn't change too much. I think it's more so the opposition on the the players and the coaches maybe shift a little bit because I know, you know, we're going against other coaches that have been there and have won tournaments. I think we all, the games we start to play with each other um, change a little bit. And I think you guys did a really good job um, with Skinny going through kind of the, the the way you would want to punch through a match, that you want to go to the snake and then you would go to the Dorito and, and kind of the, let's just call it the playbook of how to best optimize your breakouts, right? To try to get a step yeah. ahead. Absolutely. Well, then you start to kind of add this layer in there is that like, I'm, I know that playbook well, 
And I know Joey knows it well. I know Skinny knows it well. So now you add that layering into it. And I think more and more coaches are learning that playbook, right? And it's like, okay, well, I'm supposed to do this here, right? This is what the playbook says, right? I just went into the snake. Now I should punch him on the Doritos. And I know that Skinny knows that I know this. So rather than him trying to protect the snake, now he's like, all right, we'll get prepared for them on the Doritos. So all this different layering goes into it um, as you go deep into Sunday and it's trying to get that one little edge, that one little um, breakout. And and the way I kind of explain it to other people and, and uh, my players and stuff is, is sometimes you're just trying to get, it's like getting one step ahead right? One yeah. step in this play calling situation where they're trying to now chase you. They're, they're the ones trying to adapt and catch up. And um, as you go into these deeper terms, say like some of that gamemanship kind of goes up to it. And I'm more so scouting, um, you know, the coach tendencies, their past tendencies, and also knowing that they know well enough that they need to be switching those as well. And, it, and sometimes you can go too far. You know, I think in our finals match, against damage this year um we came out with a trying to change our game plan to try to adjust to theirs um mm-hmm. knowing that damage is traditionally a team that doesn't they find what's working for them and, and they they're going to want to beat you that way mm-hmm. and um joey came out with something completely different the first two points and it took us a minute uh to catch up and and get the lead in that match you know temporarily because uh he surprised us early on so it's um, yeah. fool me once, Joey. I won't. I won't ever think that you're going to be pigeonholed in your game plan again. So <laughs> one of those things. Yeah, that's yeah, coaching that's gold, though. Um, it mm-hmm. sounds so simplistic, but you know, Ryan, both Ryans, you'll be surprised when I speak to a lot of divisional coaches. That's the type of thing they they're just not thinking about. And to me, it it seems logical. We need to be thinking about the fact that okay, we just did this. Logically, I need to do this, but he probably knows that. So let's throw a rope a dope his way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, trying to switch up game plans, playing tendencies, that stuff like that is so inherently important in the professional division. It's a little bit more difficult in the in the uh, divisionals, right? Because you're probably not running into the same teams as often as you are. Yeah, that's what they did in, in last camp in the finals. Right. Yeah, but, uh, that's exactly that's what great. I was about to say. If you once you get below semi-pro, I mean, those teams are playing pretty much different teams all the time. So, right. like the the benefit we have of being able to play the same teams all the time, you learn so much more. And certainly about the coach, even though some of the players may move around, it's rare that coaches move around. So you do get to learn a lot about how a coach likes to play a field, what kind of chances they're willing to take. Um, you know, Ryan, I always give you kudos because you do things that I think most coaches in the professional league would look at and go, God, I'm not doing that there. And you just roll the dice on it. Right. And, and I think that's one of the, the benefits kind of of that. Um, I'm just going to keep them guessing thing. Uh, you do a really good job with that. You know, there, I've seen you do a lot of things over the years where I'm like, man, I don't know if I would have done that there. And it works, right. It works mm-hmm. great. And then the next point you can watch a guy kind of step out into a blind that's shooting where you sent that guy knowing you're probably not going to do it again, but maybe, maybe, you know, so that little manipulation is, is a big deal. But in the divisional things, I think it's more about really the first thing that Ryan said and kind of talking through 
just understanding if you're going to do this at this point, maybe don't do it three times in a row, but maybe you do do it again, right? Because they, they are expecting you to potentially go the other way. So, uh, but the foundation is just understanding, like, if you go to the snake hard a couple of times, stop, you got to stop, you got to go the other mm -hmm. way now, you know, or you got to go through the middle and it, or you got to send them in a different way. You know, you got to launch the guy from back center into the snake instead of trying to run him off the break. There's so many nuances and figuring out how to do those kind of things that we do that, um, that again, I, I just don't think a lot of those divisional coaches think through. And, and Ryan does a good job of this as well. And, and, and Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong. I know I try to do it with my players, but I'll give you a look with specific players and then I'll purposely put players out there that, you know, has a specific tendency, but I'm not using them that way. Yeah. And so I think there are ways that I've seen you do this several times, both Ryan's, you guys have used your players in, in clever ways to, to throw the other, throw your opponents off. Yeah. I think there's a, a fair amount of gamemanship that, that has to take place to get you the look you want. And sometimes you're trying to set things up where you're, you're um, maybe not calling the play or the right personnel, the exact way that you want it. So when it does come down to it, you have that, you know, in your back pocket, you know, you're trying to, make them look over here and and then you can when it comes down to it you can punch them over there you know with a, a different look and try to set stuff up but it, it does get it gets a little bit complicated and it, it's um you know I, I would agree that on the divisional side of things i think it's more so like understanding that kind of coaching 101 playbook of how to you know the basics of it you know how to do that and i think they'll find a lot of success there you know because you do see a lot of teams that it's like you're playing them and say on a division level whatnot, and they just, they want to, you're winning the match. Right. And then all of a sudden they win a point by going to the snake and, and they're at a point where they have to win another point. Most of those teams are like, well, we played three points. The only thing that worked is we went snake off the break. We have to go snake off the break again. And then, you know, you say, okay, well they have to come. Let's put three guns there and, and they lose the match. And so you, you do have to kind of understand that that playbook of moving it around and you can really use that to your advantage because you get them looking one way with their extra gun and, and you're going the others, uh, the other way. And the opening is there. Yeah, for sure. So 2021, 2022, 2023 X factor finishes fifth, all three years in a row. Right. Mm -hmm. So how, how would you rate this, you know, season you know overall i know world cup wasn't the way didn't end the way you guys wanted it to but how would you kind of rate this season you know if you were to give it a letter grade what would you give it i mean a, a b you know maybe you know it's like somewhere around that and, and on, that's maybe just i mean world cup went particularly bad you know for for all of us here on the Tell screen so it's so yep. it's kind of like a um it's tough, right? I, I if I'm looking at the way it ended up, I'm going to give it a, a, an F and, and and a lot of blown opportunities. But right. you know, if I want to, you know, look at the totality, it's like, you know, we went fifth, fourth, second, fourth. You know, and coming out of that, you know, uh, third event, we were in second place overall, and um, and, and I was looking at that and, and not like gunning for it, but I was like, all right, if we make the semifinals, um going into in Chicago, then surely we'll have the buy locked up. And that's really what it looked like on paper because, you know, both damage and heat would have to pass us because we we're ahead of both of them. And 
and and Dynasty would have to drop too. Just so happened all four of us made it to the semifinals, and we missed the bye by uh, our placing. You know, I think if one of those things, like if we would have gotten third place and he got fourth, I think that thing swaps. And, you know, the, the whole story of the season maybe changed a little bit, but at the end of the day, it was on us. We dropped the ball at World Cup bad. Um, and, but as far as the season goes, you know, for us, it's not a great season. Even if you remove cup, it's like, we want to be competing for wins. Like that's what our team is based for. And right. we got to the finals. We had every opportunity, you know, up bodies at the end of regulation, up bodies in overtime, you know, double overtime, you know, we lose a one-on-one, which, you know, it's a one-on-one. You don't want to leave a, a thing out there, but we gave ourselves a really good opportunity to win a tournament. We didn't get it done. And on the other you know, the first other first of the four, three of the first four events, we uh, we were right there. You know, as Mike said, you know, we were losing more often than not one point games to the eventual winner. Right. So we're competing, um, but, you know, the team's built in to win. And so I, yeah. I, I would say it's a B minus at best, you know, probably closer. It feels a lot worse just because the most recent tournament was a terrible showing at World Cup. But say that tournament would have been at Lone Star where we dropped the ball and then you know we were in the semifinals the the last two I, I feel a lot better about it but yeah that's kind of yeah. where it is yeah. well you yeah, know they say that you know growth and comfort can't coexist so mm-hmm. I think all three of us are kind of in that situation right now no yeah. and like you guys had a similar season right you guys were um performing very well you know for just just barely missing you know probably where your goals are get, at least you know getting those semifinals consistently and i mean your goals i'm sure higher but that's probably a bar that you guys like to be in you're right there and then y'all get to cup and and, and have a terrible event and then you're kind of sitting there you know i think a lot of our players and everyone the first reaction is like the sky is falling but mm-hmm. at the end of the day it's it's the biggest event the most important event but it's it's still one of the five events if you want to look at maybe it's not time to make a bunch of knee-jerk reactions and, right. and no. forget the growth that you did accomplish, you know, throughout That's the right. season. No, no it's, it's easy it's, to get, to get bogged down in the negativity, right? It's so easy to do that, but real champions, real winners, they, they short, they shelve that, recognize it, don't forget it, but they learn from it and move on. And that's our big thing. We don't lose, we learn. Um, and, and I think that's what champion teams like you, I love the way that you say we're built for this. I think X factor is built for that. I think you look at any of the top four or five teams, they're built for it. All right. So, but like you, you know, we went into that, you know, sixth place, our sophomore season, we're in top six and we end up getting leaked by three teams, mm-hmm. you know, because of our dismal performance. You know, I yeah. think, I, I think I, you I guys penalty cost you guys uh, in mm-hmm. the level match, I believe, and penalties were killing us. So, yeah. Yeah, barrel hit, uh, barrel hit under uh, 60 seconds, uh, major. When multiple majors were thrown on both teams, uh, well, two on them, one on us. Ours was a barrel hit, but it happened first. And so the ref got the call right. It was a good call, uh, but it definitely uh, negatively affected how far we're going to go in that tournament. That's right. So, can't blame You yeah. can't blame the penalties because you got a penalty for a reason, so you did something wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we got to fix that. But, Ryan, I've, I've been – you had some good questions that I wanted you to get into here, and I've kind of been, I've been hogging. No, you're good. Yeah, it's good stuff. Like, it, so 
kind of with the understanding of how you finish, like what, what should we expect during the off season? Like, are you making roster changes? Are you kind of individually sending players one-on-one -on -one things that they need to focus on kind of this off season? What does that look like for you? Okay. Um, well, th th this isn't going to air tonight, right? We got to, we've got some time. So it airs next Tuesday, like next week. So I can probably still spill the beans that are out there, but, um, I think individually it's getting the guys together and uh, kind of addressing, um, you know, their concerns, their thoughts, how we can grow, you know, getting feedback from them for myself too. You know, it's like, I'm, we didn't win every turn. So uh, there's yeah. room and area. And even if we did, there's area and room for myself to grow as well. So I need to get yeah. that from the players. You know, everyone sits with it, especially after a, a big, you know, terrible event. It's kind of like, all right, you know, what, how do we fix this? How do we get going? Um, Addressing on the roster, you know, some, some of the stuff was um, concerns, you know, throughout the year, right? And so, um, you know, I think this is already public knowledge, but uh, we parted ways with, with Cody Mikowski today. Um, and Cody's uh, a great dude, a great player. Um, it just sometimes um, it's not the best fit, you know, and, and we, we were trying to address a hole with Cody that was kind of left by the departure of Archie and, and, and then Randy, like kind of a two on the snake side. And that was initially why we brought Cody into play. And it's, it's just not where he's elite at. He's elite at other places on the field. Um, yeah. But we kind of have players in and in, in role there. And so we recognized that quickly after we picked him up and we shifted him into other places and it, it just became a, you know, a, Cody's used to playing a significant amount of points. He's not used to, he's used to being the best guy on his team. So it was a little bit new for him to have to fight for play time. And, and it was, it was a bit of a struggle through the season. And so for us, it's like um, any of that little bit of turmoil, you know, I think he wasn't particularly happy with the situation. And, and as an elite competitor, like all our guys, they believe they should be on the field at all times. And uh, I'm uh, understanding of that because I, if I didn't, if you don't believe you should be on the field at all the time, then I don't want you on the team because that's you, you don't have the right mindset. Yeah, you're um, in the wrong sport. Correct. And but it's like you have to. It's but at the same time, like you also don't want guys in the locker room that are maybe not happy with the current situation. And for us, um, we still needed to address the hole that you know that we hadn't filled. You know, so it's like we still felt that. Um, you know, after, you know, Archie and Rainey and stuff, we still were a, a team capable of winning um, and, and being in the fight, but we kind of have a hole in that two on the snake side. Um, and so we decided to bring on uh, Matt Jackson, um, Fuzzy. Um, and that will probably be a public move before um, this airs. Um, and and Fuzzy is a, is a great player and he's a specialist at that position. So yep. it, it did kind of have an effect with Cody of that being kind of a, I guess you say kind of a mutual separation of like, Hey, Cody, this is going to happen. Um, you know, we're going to bring in another guy to play this role and it's going to shift things around. And it's, if playing time is what you're looking for, it's, it's, it's not that he's not capable of winning the spot out, but it's, it's still going to be that battle, you know, for you and where you're at in your career is, are you going to be happy here or are you going to be happy somewhere else? Because uh, he's a very good player and he will make another team is going to make another team better. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm willing, I don't want to keep some of my roster that's going to have that turmoil because so much of it is about everyone being happy to be there and content and 
that is a big factor in this, in my belief and the culture of a team and the, and the way that they perform out there through trust, um, all these things, you know, if you're not trusting your teammates or your situation on the team or anything like that off the field, then you're probably not communicating with your teammates that well. How do you expect to communicate with them on the field? There's just a lot of things. So for us, it's, yeah. we're going to address this whole, we're going to get fuzzy. Um, and there's kind of maybe a shuffling that needs to happen. And that's kind of where we wound up. And, and that's kind of where we are. We're, um, and uh, don't get me wrong. I don't, uh, there's not a, a bad thing I have to say about Cody Mikowski. He's a, he's a full, um, mature, great man. Um, he, he's in a great player. It just wasn't the best fit for us. Uh, yeah. At the time. Yeah. yeah, makes sense. Anybody else? Um, there's we're we're kind of looking looking around, but nothing nothing concrete, you know. So N- nothing you want to talk about right now? Nothing. Yeah, <laughs> and, and honestly, there's there's nothing that's um, you know we're 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 kind of you know eyeballing a couple of different things, um, but it's for us, it's uh, we feel confident where we're at. Um, we might make another change or two. Um, I personally, um, I think it's it's pretty proven like you don't want to do too much um you know in the off season you know sometimes bringing in you know somebody fresh is great for everything but um a lot of the teams that are having success they have it through longevity um Mm -hmm. of being together and your core is probably the most important thing for a team and um keeping that together and and kind of but sometimes it does you know throw a young kid in there or or someone else or anything just kind of mix it up a little bit um can keep things fresh also so lights of fire. I will say, and I will say, I, I really liked the combination you had um, at several events. You had Billy going in and then Colt or meter kind of coming behind him. And then the, it seemed like Colt and meter kind of flip-flop roles every now and again, one of them would be the third guy in, you know, and they kind of switch back and forth. I thought that was a pretty dynamic setup that you had a lot of times on the snake side that it, it appeared to work really well. Um, you know, I know Matt is different, right? You know, he, he was a snake player (laughs) for years and years and years, and then kind of moved like we all do as we get older, move back into that kind of second role. Uh, But I thought that the the combination of guys you, you put together and and that's kind of what I was alluding to in the beginning of the, of, of the show, you know, that's one of the things that makes you elite is being able to recognize those different packages you can throw out there um, that maybe it's not the perfect scenario, but good Lord, it worked well. You know, I think it was, uh, maybe Texas. No, it was Philadelphia. The, the MAO event, you had that, uh, that those three kind of all going into the snake at different periods in the game and switching roles. And it really kept, I felt like it kept sort of your opponents from being able to pick which guy was going to be the second one in if Billy got shot off the break, which didn't happen very often, but that field was set up in a way where the first guy was going to go in probably trade. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, so to have, you know, Colt and then meter coming right behind him, uh, I thought that was a really, really potent combination. Yeah. You know, it's good to have options and and keep people guessing and and not knowing exactly who went, who didn't and, and just kind of, you know, sitting back a little bit. Right. And, I think moving people around, if the players can handle it, you know, it's um, can be very good and potent for you if the player can handle it. And it is a lot to ask the player. You know, I I started doing something in, let's just guess it was 2015 season or something, but I think halfway through the season, it was the beginning of the NXL. um, I started switching Archie mid tournament 
from playing the snake side, the two on the snake side, and then the next one he's playing the one on the Drudo side and just kind of switching that up. And it was kind of allowing some personnel to kind of uh, flow in and out. And uh, I think it really kind of messed with people a little bit, trying to be like, oh, well, this guy's over here. Now he's over there. Uh, and I kind of learned sometimes moving pieces around um, can be very effective, but it's got to be, uh, it, it can't be at the, um, the detriment of a player getting in their flow or getting knocked yeah. out. So it's, yeah. it's tough. You just got to find the, the right pieces that can do that. The right people that can play multiple spots in a tournament and it doesn't really mess with them. And that's, yeah. uh, it's easier said than done. You know, it's not the, it's, it's difficult. But I think you just, I think you just pointed out another reason. And I apologize if it appears that I'm blowing sunshine up your hocus, but it, the, the simple fact is that I think that, leads lends to the elite status as a coach recognizing the strengths of your players recognizing the fact we talked to sk about this right i have paintball players i don't have specialists now billy obviously is a specialist right but i think you recognizing those capabilities and those strengths of each individual player and and bringing them to bear based off the layout in specific situations like the chicago i believe chicago it was chicago where you're using tj as that anchor in that center laid down incredibly that's exactly i was talking to ryan about that i said that's exactly where i would put tj <laughs> i said mm -hmm. just put him down there anchor down roll your gun and let him communicate and do the tj thing so um i think that's that's incredibly insightful and those coaches who are watching this know your players understand your players strengths weaknesses opportunities you know these are things that you know create paintball players create elite paintball players so I'm sorry. I wanted—I didn't mean to go off on a tangent, but I wanted to make that comment. I love it. Every time you use your uh, SWAT summary analysis stuff on us, it, it's always so helpful. <laughs> well, it's my go-to, man. It's like, it, it, and it really is. I don't think a lot of people understand exactly what it means, right? Um, and yeah. it's it's applicable to so many different things, you know, and yeah. uh, strengths, you know, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And we use that when we field walk. So. I have a bunch of those, by the way, and I won't pull them all out. So I have a, a bunch of acronyms. So when's the first time, Ryan, that you'll get your group kind of back together during the off season? Um, it, and then again, kind of to go back to the end of my first question, and I, I, I know I, I hit you with a bunch of things all at once. Like before you get together, like are you sending those guys like – here's some things I need you to be thinking about or working on. Here's where I need you to be focused kind of between now and the time we see you. Um, or do you just kind of let them delineate through that process on their own? Yeah. So I let everyone breathe for a little bit after a loss like that. And then um, over the past probably week and a half, I've, I've, and there's guys I, I talk to daily, um, but I really kind of made my rounds and kind of really been talking to people about, and it's, it's kind of a back and forth, you know, about, Hey, what, what more do you need out of me? What more can I do for you? You know, I need this, that, and, and kind of really kind of opening up those conversations so we can hit the ground running, you know, a bit more. And so, um, and then I guess the other part of the question is um, our team traditionally, we probably, I know a lot of teams take a pretty big break, um, but we, we like to kind of get together um, a little bit sooner and we always will do one, full team practice typically in January. Um, I think this year we're actually going to do one in a couple of weeks where it's going to be the guys that can make it right. So we're going to play on 
I think we're going to practice uh, your old squad notorious or some of those guys here on like the 15th, 16th of December. And then in January, we'll then have um, a full team uh, practice, you know? And so, and then from there, we'll kind of just play it by ear. But for us, it's like really staying together, staying, staying fresh and fitting them in where you can, because it does, it gets difficult throughout the season, especially for us. Like we're not a complete local squad. So to get everyone together, um, it's one of those things like you always say it, you know, you, you lose a tournament in the semifinals. And then the first thing is like, we need to practice together more. And then it's like, okay, let's put it on the schedule. And then all of a sudden, you know, this one's got this happening and that happening. And the, the tournaments sometimes are, you know, you have the long break, but some of them are only gapped by, you know, eight weeks. And so there's only six weeks in between and you're already practicing two weekends. And so it doesn't really happen. So for us, like trying to find a way to, um, you know, sneak one in, you know, like what's in the off season, like there's no reason we need to not play paintball for four months um, right. other than just our, our sanity and, and so our wives don't kill us. And so for, for us, it's like, let's try to sneak one in here or we can get two in, or we can get a little bit better leading up to the first layout weekend. Um, that's just going to help us be less rusty, uh, more used to communicating all that kind of stuff. So it's, if we, yeah. we got to hit the ground running when we can. So it takes a little bit extra work, a little bit more dedication um, you know, off season is pretty, pretty darn long, um, and, and the grand scheme of things. So just fitting in a little more is, is worth it. Yeah, for sure. If I may, Ryan, let's talk about an off layout weekend, right? That let's get together. Let's get the team together. Let's play. What are the things we focus on that? Are we just playing points? What are we working on when we get the team together on something like what's, what's the process or a weekend like that? So for us, you know, at our point, like with, um, you know, we mostly, I guess we fully have a team full of veterans and it, it's at that point, it's really kind of addressing um, the areas that we think we need to improve at rather than just like, Hey, we're going to go in this and we're going to play two on twos for a little bit. And then we're going to three, three and going through the structure of things. We kind of take a step back and say, Hey, where, where are these areas that we need to improve? Cause like we firmly believe, and you'll see it like at, most of these games on Sunday are, are one point games. I think more often than not, they are. And a lot of those are like the difference of like a ball bouncing or, you know, just really anything, a guy getting shot off the break or not. And so to me, it's like, you really, you know, we say it all the time on our team and I said, it's like, we're trying to get 1% better because we're, we're not going to get, I mean, we can always hope for, but we're probably not going to get 10% better. Right. And maybe we're not even trying to get 1% better at everything. If we can get 1% better in one area, that could be the difference of us being damaged in you know, the first overtime or not. And, and so that we try to address things. So a lot of times we're looking at, all right, we feel like our communication needs to um, come up a little bit. So we've done a, a drill where we literally will, if we're like ourselves in squad and we're playing another team, um, and sometimes it might be a, you know, a lesser pro team or something like that. Um, we do something, we call it King, but basically what I do is that we dedicate one player that has to play the point uh, with his gun turned off until we are down on bodies. So for even bodies or up bodies, that player can only communicate. And the only time he can turn his gun on and engage in that point is if all of a sudden we're down on bodies. Um, and then he can kind of reset, re reset it. And so for, for us, and what we did, we've done a whole weekend of this playing another protein, you know, and, and it's, 
And basically, it's like, hey, we're fo- I don't care if we get the shit kicked out of us. We're focused on getting our, our communication up and not just communication as far as like, you know, us, everyone yelling the spots really well and knowing commitment, like directing traffic, somebody grabbing the ball and quarterbacking and directing traffic. And it's a lot easier to do that when you do not have a gun to shoot at someone to distract you. So um, that's something we've done on off weekends. Um, Recently, um, we've felt like we need to improve in the area of um, holding leads um, under 60 seconds. That I think that's an area that we've won too many matches um, with like half a second on the clock when the guy's diving in and he just barely doesn't get there. Like we've done that too many times when in my personal opinion, almost all those points are, should be gibbies. We should be padding our point spread there. Uh, but instead we're, we're just squeaking by, you know, and, and, and giving my, like my, myself anxiety and, and all our parents and girlfriends watching at home. Going, oh my God. Like, I can't believe you almost blew that. So we've got it. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. So a recent off weekend um, layout, we put, um, put the scoreboards up um, and we played um, like matches where we set the clock and say, all right, this team's up by two with two minutes, play the match. All right. That match is over. Do it again. Just do it a whole weekend trying to really focus on the areas of playing by, you know, losing and playing winning with a very low clock scenario. So it's really just for us, it's addressing those areas, um, you know, and say, this is what we want to get 1% better at this weekend we're not leaving here until we do. And, and that's that's kind of how we address it right now. And that would be the O from the SWOT analysis, Mr. Gray. That's an opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah we did uh, that I, one I, weekend. I, 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 I'm sorry, go ahead, Ryan. No, I was just going to say we did that one weekend uh, when Notorious went and played them on an off, played X Factor on an off weekend. It was great. We did, I think, six minutes maybe, and we would start mm-hmm. like one up, one down. And, um, and the scenario was really good. It's, and, it's interesting. The team that I'm uh, coaching now uh, sound they didn't do any of those kinds of things to prepare for events. So um, I think I have my hands full, but we'll talk about that later. Actually, they, they did full, it one talent. time. Man. They did yeah, we do have talent. Time. They did it one we time. Do have talent. They came to uh, when they came to Louisiana. We, we do a thing very similar, Ryan, where we do what are called mini matches, right? We try to create those situational, you know, situationals with a mini match. So, okay, it's, mm-hmm. it's zero to zero, five minutes, or it's one to zero, five minutes, or it's, you know, two to zero, six minutes. So we do that a lot as well. So I greatly appreciate that approach to it. My other question for you is regarding that transition. We talked about the, the 21 year, the 22 year in the 22nd year, fifth place finishes all three. I believe 21 was only four events, though. But anyway, transitioning from the two-weekend preparation to the one-weekend, as a coach, how did you adjust? How did your process change uh, in approaching the layout weekends when you went from two to one? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not particularly a fan. Like, I would rather – have the two um to to really kind of work on that layout and, and just really kind of um get get into the weeds there and, and get it as best as possible um but obviously you, you take advantage of what you got and there's benefits of 
playing that first weekend and, and like I said, working on some of those, those things and being able to be more focused on specific things rather than get, you know, drawn into like, well, we got, we got to learn this layout because it is a lot easier to say, Hey guys, who cares if we lose every point or if we're learning how to play this layout correctly, as long as we're focused on what the goal in place is. Um, my biggest thing about the two weekends is it, it's just the way that the league is set up in competition to where, you got to get a, a certain amount of days on the layout to, to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and I do think at some point there, there is diminishing returns. You know, do, do I think you need six, seven days on the layout? I don't, but I do think a lot of learning used to happen. The majority of the learning used to happen in my opinion, between the, the second day and the third day when you had a week to process it. Yeah. Um, and now and so I, I don't feel comfortable with my team going into a tournament where if, say we just played the one weekend and we just played Saturday and Sunday. Um, and I do know that a lot of our competition and a lot of the competition that is winning tournaments are playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and, and some further into the week. Um, I don't feel confident with us not doing that. So now I have my guys that, they we can't do Thursday. most of my guys are they all they're professionals or like they have careers outside of this and so we now have to practice on friday and so that's another day missed of work we have to get more than like confirm everyone's there on thursday which used to be um something that some guys just couldn't make work because of you know their job situation or not but now it's kind of mandatory so our players are are having more strain on their lives um, it's more rigid as far as like before, if say you had a, a wedding to go to, or, or, you know, a funeral or, or, or something you just couldn't get out of, you know, before it's okay. You know, this guy played the other weekend. Hey, at least he's got two days on the weekend of the four. We're going to make it work. Well, right now, if somebody has to go to a funeral and now he's missed the entire weekend, that guy can't play the tournament. So I, I do, I, I'm, I'm a strong proponent against the two weekends, but I think it's more than because of the game plan, it, it, the gameplay. It's just now I feel like we're, we're kind of forced in this, this other box, which is the opposite of what it was intended to be. And maybe it is, you know, working for the divisionals that most of the teams are just playing one weekend, but for us, we're playing the two weekends. We're playing more, you know, we're playing more, we're spending more money to have the uh, ability to feel prepared uh, as much as I know some of our competition is getting. So to to have an even playing field, we got to play more, um, right. which bef before two weekends, I feel like everyone was pretty much doing the same thing. Maybe the Russians were moving. No. <laughs> I feel yeah, your pain. I concur. They're playing two weeks, 12 hours a day. Actually, mm -hmm. that's not true. They're playing three hours every day. Or I was, was going to correct you. It's three hours. <laughs> they're going to shoot that so many cases and then that they're done. It's well, we're done. We have shot our paint. We are done. Because they did a statistical analysis on potential injury. They probably did a SWAT. <laughs> figured out a SWAT. I made that last one up. It together, but it sounds like something. It all out. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I, I'm one of those coaches. Like I don't care either way. Like I'm fine. They want to do one weekend. I'm fine if they want to do two. I don't care. Uh, mm -hmm. But I also I have no kids in my house. I'm, it's just me and my wife. Like for me, it's better to have one weekend because I get yelled at less. So, uh, I mean, I'll still be there both weekends, but um, I'm less stressed for the 
four days in between, you know? Yeah. Cause, but I totally agree with you um, that I felt like when we had the two weekends, the, the processes that would occur between Sunday night when we left and then Friday, when we saw everybody again in those four to five days, there was a lot that happened in those four to five days, just from the philosophical perspective about some things that, you know, maybe we wanted to try, but didn't try, or you, you, you thought about something and then you realized, Oh, now I can just shift this guy behind him off the break. And, and, and now you have to do that at the event and you don't get throwaway points anymore with the way the field layouts are now, like one point you're done. You know, you, you lose two matches by one point. That's the, the your event is probably over. Yeah. So I think it's made things a little bit less professional. Like before we would film that first practice. And now I have a week yeah. to analyze the film, go through it with my players, all these types of things. Now I'm getting the film edited to me on Tuesday and I'm flying out Wednesday. And there's just, it's, it's almost like, I almost feel bad. Like I, I feel like I'm letting it down, but I just, I don't have time to, fully dive into this film and, and get it to my players. And so it's like, it's kind of like nerfing the, you know, how professional the, the sport is. Like, I think to me, like for uh, some of the decisions the league tends to want to make sometimes is to take coaching out of it a little bit. You know, it's like, they're, Oh, we don't want the concede button and we don't want this and we want fewer points and it's all this stuff. It's like, if, if you take the coaching out, you're making the sport less professional in my you're making it more yeah. of a hobby, less of a sport, because uh, sports, are, you know, it's like the, there's coaching, there's uh, improvement, there's uh, there's things like there's learning, there's teaching, there's all these types of things. And the more you try to make it where it's just a little bit easier, more digestible, I, I don't know if that's the actual the pathway of us being a, a legitimized sport. Right. Yeah. And I did want to piggyback on something you said, you know, with the two week process, you know, practices, you could one thing I enjoyed similar to you, we would video practice. And the beauty of that, because we are blue collar, you know, taking off that Friday is very difficult. I never have every one of my guys, um, you know, trying to get on that layout all three days, um, trying to get a one hour practice in at the event, you know, these types of things. But what with the two weekends, what we could do is we could have that practice and then each night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm sending three points here, two points here, you know, a point here. Hey, pay attention to here. And this is what we could do here. And you keep that kind of paintball mindset through the week and you're digesting it and keeping everything fresh as you flow into that second weekend. Now it's consolidating all of that into, like you said, you know, those three days we got to, you know, eat, sleep and breathe it while your your opponents when the layout drops on a wednesday they're on it that first day mm -hmm. they're actually out there practicing it wednesday thursday friday saturday sunday and so yeah any advantage that you can get and i and i'm with you because when you take that analytical approach with those two weekends it gives those teams like us a little bit more of a, a fighting puncher's chance but at the same time i certainly agree and and see ryan's perspective that it doesn't matter. We we're going to do what we need to do. Um, however, I, you know, any advantage I can get, I would appreciate it. So. No, <laughs> same. Got it. One weekend I'm voting. <laughs> <laughs> no advantage for you. None. So, None. Ryan, you and I kind of talked a little bit um, when, when I was inviting you to come onto the show, some things that, that you, I've always uh, really looked at you as being 
one of those coaches who really reads the box well, you audible well, mm. um, and, and you don't have to give us everything, right? But uh, really for kind of the young coaches who are trying to come up, one of the things I think that gets overlooked about what we do that that maybe people don't even know is what are you looking for? Like when you look down at the at the start box, what are you looking for on the box from your opponents? What kind of things are you trying to pick out? Definitely. I mean, I, I think at the most like basic level, I'm, I'm trying to get a read that where a couple of their players, or if not just one, it's you know, easy to just and where they're going. And if I can get that information to my team and have a lane, you know, directed right at somewhere that the odds of them hitting that lane goes way up, you know, sure. it's like for a snake guy, you know, he's usually got, uh, two to four places of, of, of where he's, he might go. And more often than not, it's, it's, it's two, just, you know, one or two, 80% of the time. So if I can tell my team, Hey, like I feel with confidence, I have a read he's going here. You know, we can either um, put an additional gun there um, or at the same tune, if I feel like, Hey, this guy doesn't seem like he's running anywhere then we can turn that gun somewhere else. And so it's just us being efficient with the audibles of, of where they're going to go. And it's just really anything to get a read. Um, and that just comes from scouting um, at the tournaments. Like I, I, it's interesting, but like I probably spend more time at the tournament, like on my computer, pausing go sports back and forth and then, than doing a lot of other things, you know, I'm, I'm literally just doing the work. Uh, as soon as I get there and until, you know, I fly home Monday morning of like anything I can do to get the smallest advantage. Um, and yeah. a lot of it is that box work and it's there, you know, it's like, even if people want to hide it, 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 it's there, you know, because a lot of times hiding it can be at the detriment of, um, you know, how fast you can go or, or some like stuff. So it, it is a fine line of um, some of it you just can't really hide. And, and maybe sometimes it makes sense to hide it, even if it does make it a little bit slower, it just depends. Depends on the layout. My favorite ones are the ones that hide it every time they go to the same place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the reverse <laughs> hide. Yeah, I'm like, hide. why are you hiding? Like every time you've yeah. hidden, you've gone to the same space, right? Mm-hmm. And my space bar just is worn out from pausing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just from pause, like it. get, pause, pause, you know, like, uh, Philly, when you, you had that space at the very back of the start box where you could shoot the guy going to the snake, uh, there were only a few players who were really doing it every single time. And it was funny because they, they rarely got shot at, and I didn't understand that. So we played a team that was doing that, and every time they this one player would go out there, I, I had – like I normally have like five audibles depending on the layout that <clears throat> we'll have kind of set up based on – scouting or whatever you know if it's the first point of the match i'll have maybe three um just depending on where the key spots are of course but so like how many audibles do you normally go into an event and how many because i know you probably are like the rest of us you start with this many but you probably end with 12 you know yeah (laughs) it is exactly that it just depends you know it's like sometimes we have audibles going in that just don't you know the way the field so sometimes we'll go in with with more than we wind up with and in some instances because it's like all right all of a sudden the field turns into this is the new meta and like okay well this audible doesn't make sense anymore because people aren't 
going three yeah. way, three Dorito way anyway. Cause that's, that's usually your main audible, right? Is it, right. is the field, if the team's going to, where they're sending their extra body and are you switching a gun to shoot into the heavy set? Well, so a lot of these fields this year turned into three snake way, almost like just automatically. So then it's like, well, that audible is no longer being used because the heavy sets always on the snake side. Right. Um, yeah. But I'm typically like, uh, I, where I start on, like, we'll, we'll really kind of go in. Sometimes I'll leave with a lot, you know, as far as like, uh, there's been times where I have a call for every single bunker on the field, like a color code of where I want our guns to be. Um, yeah. But that's really only if I can, you know, get a, a valid read to that. And so, and sometimes it just depends, you know, sometimes you're, sometimes guys are running way more shallow and, and way deeper. Um, so it, it, you can really distinguish it. And sometimes it's a little bit more difficult because it's in a similar line. Um, so there's that. Um, and then there's also, um, kind of, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought a little bit, but it's, um, no, I lost it. I'll, I'll come, it'll come back to me. Yeah. So other than maybe where people are going, what other kind of things are you looking for off the box? Um, so it's, it's kind of, um, the real one, um, the biggest one you really want to pick up to is it's, it's similar to where they're going, but also if people are stepping out, um, to, to get a shot on someone, because that, that's yeah. really, you have to address it. You know, you can't let somebody stand out in the open because most of the, the reason someone's standing out in the open on any layout is because they have a really good lane to shoot your guy. Mm -hmm. And if, and if you don't have a call to shift, um, there, like you, you gotta, you gotta shut that down. I think that's, to me, yeah. that's paramount. You don't want people out there, um, being able to just willy nilly out there. So, so that's one thing. Um, it's, it's shifting our guns. It's sometimes shifting where we're running. Um, now on a lot of layouts, um, this year, it's been all right where they, they, the guys can see box to box and, and I will, you know, I'll give my players freedom a little bit, right? There's, there's a sure. play and there's a box of it. And then there's, there's maybe I have one guy that like, Hey, your lane's on audible. I'm going to call it. Um, and maybe it's, Hey, we've had situations where it's like, Hey, you're, you're listening to it or you're just looking at it and you're audible your run based on what they're giving. Um, so, and, and I think that's the big one too, is that, um, you know, you, you call your play um, and it happens to us all the time where you either call the perfect play um, against what they're doing, or I've often called the, what I thought was the perfect play. And, and they did the one thing out of their, they got five plays in their playbook and they, they called the one that's just going to blow it to shreds. And you're almost sitting there on the box. Like, how do we audible out of this? And sometimes you let it roll. And um, I've done that. And, and then I've, I've worked in also the ability to kind of, reset um out of it you know and just kind of uh, kind of like a base play situation so there, yeah. there's there's a lot of it but um it takes extra eyes you know I, I for a long time i was doing it myself and i think you know ryan you mentioned to me like you've seen some divisional coaches like they're watching their own team break out and yeah. because you can't watch everything you really can't um you can't even um away some of these uh, fields are you can't even watch their entire team, like you need multiple eyeballs. And so if you don't have the staff to do it, um, use some of your players that are, are not playing that point. And if you have a big roster and you have a guy that's um, not playing a lot at all, like it's a good way to get that guy involved. So he's not just, you know, picking his nose in the pit 
um, and feeling like he didn't have any effect on the game, like, Hey, like, Hey, can you come help me out out here? Um, you know, and scout and let me know where they're going on that side and help me do stuff. You can get some of your guys more involved and, and that'll raise their spirits as well. Um, yeah. but it, it's kind of, um, it takes, yeah, it, it takes, it takes a lot to be able to see it all. And then also it's like, I don't know if it happens as much on the divisional fields, but like on the pro field, we're, we're dealing with, um, a couple of things that can be obstructions. Um, so you have the rough tower that's usually not in the middle. It's offset. You know, we've had go sports towers in the way. So you kind of have to walk the field as a player would to be like, Hey, what can I actually see before this yeah. match starts? You know, how am I going to call my audibles? And then letting your team know like, Hey, I can tell you this, this, and this, uh, but I can't see this and that. Can you guys see this? No. Okay. Then that might be a hole that we have to prepare for. Um, yeah. And then on the pro field, a lot of times you'll start on one side you know, I've had it where, you know, um, you know, there's, you know, like you said, we've finished, you know, top four or five in the past few seasons. So a lot of times we'll play uh, a full prelims from one side of the field as the higher ranked team. And then all of a sudden Sunday, you know, it's drawn out of the hat and we're on the other side and I walk over there. I'm like, Oh shit. Like I can't see anything from over here. Right. Um, like my audibles are, are, are kind of out the window. So I've kind of learned the, the hard way that you, you kind of got to walk the field as a player, as a coach. Um, from that aspect. And my favorite is when you find that perfect place and then a ref stands right in front mm -hmm. of you. Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> right in front of you. And I'm like, this is the only place I can see everything. Hey, yeah. fella. And, you know, they always were like, meh, I'm not moving. So yeah, I used to bring, I'm not sure if you guys recall this, but I used to bring like a stepladder out there. And now yeah. I'm not allowed to bring it. And that's yeah. exactly why, Ryan. Because I'm like, yeah, watch this ref's going to choose the perfect spot, and so I could just look over him. So, no. I, I mean, the Russians have the ladders. Russians used to have the full ladder. Yeah, they bring a right. six foot, eight foot ladder, like, and stand in the pit with it, which yeah. was awesome if you were the other team in the pit trying to get around that. You know, like mm -hmm. trying to get like ready for the next game, trying to get around that guy to get air or whatever. <laughs> Because you know there weren't split deck back then, but they like to try to get around that guy. It was always really challenging. But yeah. Mike Hinman gave me that ladder, by the way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Ryan, is there anything else you want to share with us before we uh, conclude? No, I don't. I don't think so. If you guys don't have any more questions, I um, nothing. Nothing crazy to share. Um, just looking forward to it. I'm really happy you guys are doing this. I think it's definitely a much needed um, asset to the game, right? You know, just kind of we're talking about, you know, things, you know, going in a professional manner. I think this is, this is huge. Um, and for players and, and, and definitely for coaches, but I think players alike, I don't think you have to be a, a coach to come in here and, and gain a lot of knowledge. And, and from some of the most knowledgeable minds, minds in the sport that you might not have um, access to otherwise. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that about the player thing. You know, a lot of this stuff we're sharing, there's so many teams out there that don't have coaches. So right. many teams out there that don't have coaches. And and being able to, like, I was writing down, like, your King Drill and some other things. Like, I'm, you know, I'll share some of that stuff out, like, on our social media so that, you know, people can go. And uh, I, I put up stat sheets. Um, I, I did one for Casey. I'll put uh, skinnies up there uh, soon as well. We just want to give them resources. Uh, and not just the coaches, we want the players to to be able to go grab some of those things too, because as you said, you know, a player who maybe they're not playing as much, you want to get better, go stat a bunch of games. You'll mm -hmm. see a ton of things that you probably wouldn't. And you certainly will see way more 
then walking around to all the vendor booths and, you know, talking to your friends and playing grab ass. If you go to the field, scout teams that you're not even playing, you know, just get out there, stat a bunch of games, you'll learn a lot. So we're trying to provide as many, you know, resources and opportunities for coaches. We are going to uh, put together a coaches clinic for, I, I think, NXL Texas. And then we're going to do another one, um, either Chicago or Vegas. And then we're going to do one over in Europe as well to try to help those guys out. But uh, we're, we're trying to provide as many um, opportunities for young coaches to get information as we can. So, yeah, that's great. I mean, it's um, a huge component. You know, I think teams reach out to me and it's like, oh, who should we get as a coach? Who should we get coached? And they're always like this pro guy or that ex pro guy, this guy. And I'm just, I'm always just like, do they, do they really have the, the time and the commitment to want to be your team's coach? Cause if yeah. not like find a coach and yes, it's beneficial if that player played maybe a level above you or something like that. So they can maybe, uh, you know, get some level of, of early on respect and, and, and that kind of stuff. But it, it's not the biggest prerequisite as long as that person has the passion and wants to learn and, and will use these resources and just, um, wants to help you need to have somebody do it you know that's the end of the day like having somebody do it is better than having nobody do it getting it's just getting people on the same page and that that's going to come down to the players you know maybe if your coach is someone who wasn't a great player and um you know but at the same time like y'all need to rally behind that person and and come together and say hey look if we can all move the same direction and we all know this right it's better than moving in the wrong direction together is, is a lot different, better than sometimes just moving every single direction. Um, sure. And you sometimes need a coach to just help direct that traffic and they'll get better. You know, when I started coaching in 2010 or whatever, like I, I was not great at it. I just wasn't, you know, it, it took a lot of time and, and a lot of um, help from my, my, my team, you know, my, my peers to, to get where I'm at now. And, um, there's growth, but you got to start somewhere. And if every season you're trying to pay, you know, this guy, you know, a little bit that, that used to play pro or is a current pro to come coach you in the weekends that maybe it works on his schedule and not like, um, I think you should, that that's fine and dandy. I think that's something that there's a lot of value there, but I think you should also, that should supplement who you guys find that actually wants to be the coach of your team and yeah. take care of that guy. That's, that's a, that's great insight because ultimately leaderships, uh, it's, it's not about glorious crowning acts, right? It's about, it's about keeping your team focused on a goal, motivated to meet it. Right. Um, I think, I think that's what most of it is. It's about laying the groundwork for others to succeed and then standing back and letting them kind of do their thing. So I, yeah finding the best person suited for that type of role. You can't just hand somebody a clipboard and say, Hey, coach us. Right? Mm-hmm. There has to be a lot of different aspects and there's a learning curve. Um, so no, I hear you just because they're a good paintball player doesn't mean they're a good coach. So. No, yeah, rarely actually. <laughs> yeah. From my yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the stuff that make you a really good paintball player will, also potentially make you a really bad coach because it's just oh, um, yeah you, you see things you know you're 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 a monster right you're an animal and that's um you consume things in your path and sometimes as a coach it's more about being uh, i'm i'm part-time uh, psychologist you know it's, it's right. just one of those one of those things that you have to be able to navigate 
um, different situations, um, treat players differently for what they need, um, all these types of things. And, and sometimes, you know, that's just not everyone's skill set. But I do think it is one of the most important things in coaching is being able to find a way to work with each individual player uh, and treat them differently and give them the time and respect and understanding that they need. Absolutely. I think we talked about that with skinny, you know, uh, yeah, you're like, you're being a coach is like, it's like 50% the paintball stuff. Right. And then there's like 10% psychologist, 10%, you know, marriage counselor, 10%, you know, mentor, 10%, you know, sort of babysitter. There's all these other things that kind of go into the, to the process of what we do if you're doing it well. Right. Lawyer, priest, you know, sure. Yeah. You have to be able to kind of put on all these different hats. And, um, and I think it's, it, 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 it's an incredibly humbling experience too, though. You know, the, the, you, you, you get to kind of step back, especially when you find success and you're able to put things together in a meaningful way and you don't need any credit. Like that's been one of the, um, probably coolest experiences about, you know, getting into this for me, getting back in is, kind of this understanding that like, I, it doesn't matter what I say, what I do, if the team, if the group isn't willing to buy in and do the work, I'm, I'm worth nothing. Right. So like that kind of humbling, you know, the, the, the fact that those men are willing to follow you and do the things that you say and buy into the program. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a huge humbling thing, you know, it's a, um, it's kind of silly to be honest, but it, it, it does make me humble. And that brings yeah. us back to that culture aspect, right, Ryan? We, that Mr. Yeah. Brand was talking about with the culture. We've been talking about culture. You have to be that example. You have to set that culture. You have to be the leader and exemplify that that culture that we talked about. And like you said, you have to get everyone to buy into it. Yeah, yeah. No easy. You, you got to be able to set it, and and also you know you got to keep a close eye on it because it, it can drift, right? And we all know this and there's just an old paintball thing you know sometimes you get just a little bit of you know cancer in that culture and it starts to to go the wrong direction quickly so you gotta keep an eye on it and realize when you know sometimes you know a change might need to make and, and that might be as simple as as you just you know making everyone aware that like hey we're we're off our path here and you know, we need yeah. to figure out a way to get back on it and come together as a team and and sometimes it's more drastic and it, it just, it depends. But I think culture is the number one thing. I think Dynasty is finding their success right now because I think they have the most successful culture right now. Yeah. No doubt. They, they, yeah. And so I think that's excellent point. Yeah. Excellent point. Yeah. Watching them at the events is so fun. Like they're, yeah. they're, they don't look like they're there serious to play paintball until about 30 minutes before a match. Right. Then they're all laser focused, right? But all the other time you kind of see those guys, they're having a blast. They're yeah. having fun. You know, they're enjoying the this experience together, which I I think a lot of teams, you know, if you look at the number of teams there were at World Cup with 675 or some largest World Cup ever. Uh, and I, I said this on Christian's show that in the pits thing, you know, like a dozen teams go home happy if they mm-hmm. went only mm-hmm. to win the tournament a dozen teams go home happy and i'm going i'm talking about like deep or uh, the three-man open right like <laughs> i think there were like 12 divisions or something but regardless 
12 teams go home happy if your only focus while you're there is to win the event. Mm -hmm. So yeah. all the other teams that went, if that was their focus, they had no fun, you know? And yeah. Dynasty's doing it right, for sure. Yeah. They're doing it right, and, and you know, they have the um, the earned advantage of having a little bit less pressure on their shoulders than, than totally. the rest of us right now. And that's why I feel that um, success in this sport is often, you know, in streaks of, of some sorts, you know, maybe two, two events in a row, a team's going on a run and it's, you, you kind of get a little hot and then you're able to play a little bit more free and you're able to enjoy yourself and your culture is a lot of positivity, not a lot of finger pointing and all these types of things. And there, there is a way to, kind of foster this like you don't have to win to have that but it's if you got to figure out how to get your team in that mindset that there is um you know the momentum in your way without to kind of break through and then once you break through it's about harnessing it and holding on to it and that's the next battle yeah that's really hard mm -hmm. that's way in my opinion harder than getting there yeah harder than getting there you know is holding on to it so 100 percent well, before we let you go, do you want to tell us anything about project? You got anything cool coming? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. We've got cool stuff coming. Um, we um, are kind of getting into the off season. So we're, we're doing a lot of like apparel things that we'll be releasing here, you know, hoodies, clothing, that kind of stuff. Uh, some of the more sexy stuff is that uh, we made 400 of our, uh, the project G3. So the, the CS3 version. Um, so we had 200 of those. Um, you know, earlier in the year, maybe around before cup and those all sold out 72 seconds. Um, so we're going to get the other 200 here. <laughs> in January. Is that real? So, 72 seconds, 72 seconds for real. Yeah. So, um, that's incredible. That's, wow. So yeah, it's been a, a nice, you know, a lot of, you know, labor of love, but you know, successful adventure for us. And, and we're very, you know, appreciative of that. But yeah, so that's the next thing is that we're going to have the other 200 here and, uh, and uh in january so all the all the people that weren't able to get them that quickly uh, you know get their their last shot at those um and then as you know the year goes on we're gonna have a couple other cool releases you know we're probably gonna have a project force here uh at some point in 2024 and maybe some other stuff so we're uh we're cooking along and um it's been it's been fun you know we've had a lot of support from the the uh from the community so I just cannot complain at all so congratulations yeah, it's amazing. Are you guys getting those bodies raw and then doing the anodizing yourself? No. So Eclipse, um, they they are um, they won't they, they won't let you mess up with their bodies. So they're they're very um, they they know that they have their perfect product and they don't want you messing yeah. with it. So that's okay. So that those those projects are done through them, and you know, we've done a couple now, um, and we're looking to maybe do more moving forward. But that's that's one of those things. So yeah, that's not machining on us. That's uh, the design, that kind of stuff submitted by us. And then they, uh, they go ahead and, you know, bring that to fruition. I was trying to tee you up there to talk about the anodizing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's my other, uh, uh, I call it a, that is a less of a labor of love. And that is a, uh, a labor of, uh, loving labor. failure. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Me and Archie yeah. took that, uh, decided to learn how to anodize about a year ago now and it's been a, it's been a year uh, of uh, lots of lessons learned and you know we're very proud of the, the work so the, the company's called technique anodizing and 
I'm proud of the work that we are putting out, um, but it is, um, it's difficult. I think a big respect to every other anodizer in the, in the industry. Um, there's a lot of um, beating my head against the wall and, and, and redoing stuff and doing it over and over to get it right. But it's, it's very fulfilling. Um, it's, it's, it's doing art. It's working with your hands. It's a lot of stuff. It's like, you know, my professional life, you know, for the past, you know, 13, 15 years has been marketing sitting behind a computer. And so it's been nice to kind of, um, and, and redundancy. I've, I've had the same business for a long time now. And it's, it's kind of like, I'm not learning a lot of new things. Um, so yeah. to have to go learn something and to suck at it and struggle at it, um, has been um, more fulfilling than, um, than I had anticipated. So it's definitely, uh, you get to a point in life where you, um, you don't really want everything to, to come too easy, you know, for you and, and, and find yeah. new, new battles and stuff like that. So it's, it's been fun, but it's been a battle. Um, big, big respect to, uh, to the anodizers out there. I had no idea, you know, we had been like, you know, like Ryan Hall at Arc Anodizing was an amazing anodizer, like top, top notch. I, we had been sending him guns um, from project to, to be anodized at the time. And we're asking him for like a bulk discount. He's giving it to us um, and we're getting it back. And in my head at the time, I was like, oh, this is kind of expensive. Um, I wouldn't dream to offer someone the discount that he was giving us. I had no idea how hard it was. Now I feel like I need to go back and like pay him more. Cause I was like, right. I can't believe like it's, it's tough. And, and we need to get more efficient, obviously as you, and everything you get more efficient, but for me, right. it's, it's a lot of time goes into each one of those guns. So if you get one from us, just know that it's been a blood, sweat and tears, literally an acid um, gone into it. Last time <laughs> right. I figured that I had a bunch of like holes in my sweatpants recently. And I, I told my wife, like, I think there's something wrong with their dryer. And I was going to this and I showed Archie. He's like, no, you're getting acid on you. I was like, oh, okay. That's eating away at my clothes. That sounds safe. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. Man, it's really exciting. Um, um, you know, I love the fact that players are beginning to innovate, you know, especially, you know, guys I've seen kind of grow up. It's, it's exciting to see what you guys are doing and, and playing such an integral role kind of in, in that. And I love the boutique style of what project is. It's really cool. Right. You need to send me one of those hoodies. Uh, I'll text you my address and we're done. Hundred yeah, percent. <laughs> we're about to uh, we're about to sell some uh, here next week. So and we need to Love get some teams hoodie. together for some practices this season. Yeah, we've, we've been trying to invite you, Mike. You just always don't. Want they don't to go come. anywhere because we're broke. <laughs> we, we have no money. <laughs> they don't go anywhere. Those guys. I get it. Ryan, well, thank uh, you so much for taking the time tonight away from the family mm -hmm. to, to join us. We uh, appreciate all the insight and information you were willing to share. Uh, Mike, you got anything? No, I've, I've really enjoyed that. And, and Ryan, I hope uh, I hope I can pick your brain some for, a little bit further when we see each other. Absolutely. Anytime. And if uh, happy to come back whenever uh, I enjoyed this. And if you guys have a, a guest drop out last minute, as that seems to happen, um, you got my number. Roger that. We'll you, we'll definitely have you back, brother. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Soon, All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great night. Take care. Well, that, that was, was awesome. That really yeah. was. I I you know I I'm so excited. I'm I'm feeling kind of uh, you know it's you and I are blessed in the fact that we are doing this show 
and we get to talk to these people and it's, yeah. it's really cool to me. I'm, I'm fanboying out a little bit. I mean, we're, we've gotten to talk to skinny. We've got to talk to Ryan. We're going to be talking to Joey Blute soon. We're going to be talking to, I mean, all these people, uh, Marcelo Margot. I'm, I'm just really excited about this and really looking forward to it. I could ask so many more questions. Um, it's, that's the only thing, like we're an hour and a half into this show. And I mean, I could have probably sat here for another 30 minutes and, uh, you know, no there were two questions I had at the end of my list that I kind of left off just because we were getting narrow on time. But uh, yeah, Ryan's, he's so smart, you know, yeah. uber intelligent and uh, very critical of the way he does his job. And I, I which is, is a total testament and example of, of what you're supposed to be when you do this, you know, exactly. Exactly. And he's a real student. He's a student. Yes. You know, he pays attention. So I think you and I were talking about that not too long ago, that if, if you're to a point where you think you know everything, get out of here. Yeah, you're right? probably done. You're probably yeah. done. Yeah, probably done. Well, next week, Joey Blue. That'll be a good one, too. It is. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this because, you know, you and I have both talked to Joey on several occasions. Joey's a friend. And, and yeah. He'll tell you he's not a coach, and I I can't wait to to pick his brain about that. It's so funny when he says that too, because I want to like pull up things from Go Sports, and I'm like, sounds real coachy. Yeah, it's real coachy. coachy what, you're, you. what you said in the pit right there, that sounded real coachy. So <laughs> he can say he's not a coach, but uh, we all know. Yeah, but we know better. There, so yeah. yeah, excellent. All right, thank you everybody for joining us today. Uh, we will see you next week. You know what that is. Discipline. Selfish. No joke. We're legitimate. Do it. Do it 100% because I'm trying to. We recognize that we are limitless. You gotta be a champion to become a champion, right? Winning is a habit because we create habits that lead to good execution and success.